0: Good morning, everybody. Today's uh, week two of our summer sermon series, The Dog Days of Summer, and I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Um, Today, being 4th of July and Independence Day, um, it actually takes me back to about 13 to 14 years ago. It's somewhere in there. I was a a youth pastor at a church in Arkansas, a lighthouse church in Warren, Arkansas. And uh, when you live that far south, um, there are some things that you really learn to hate. Um, You learn to hate the heat, um, you learn to hate the humidity. And there in the town I lived in, they had these things, they called them water bugs. Uh, basically, they looked like cockroaches, except they're like three inches long. And these things were everywhere. Like you could, you could live in a sealed box with no air coming in, and these things would find a way to get in your house. It was crazy. And I, I can remember times where I'd be sitting there watching TV, and these things flew. And I can remember like them flying and landing on me while I was sitting there watching. You know, if you watch Marvel movies, when you watch the Hulk, and he has these impulses to smash everything, I can relate to how he feels because when you're sitting there watching TV and that lands on you, you just want to tear the house down. You're like, I just, that's done. I just don't want to do this anymore. So, and one of the other really cool things about Arkansas, though, because those are some of the things you don't like, some of the things you really like are the people down there were awesome. And what the, probably the best part about being in Arkansas is you could buy real fireworks there. Here in Virginia, you can't buy real fireworks, but down there in Arkansas, you could buy the good stuff. And at, the, at my church down there, literally less than a mile down the road, they set up a fireworks stand. And man, for someone who loves fireworks like I do, man, that was like a match made in heaven right there. You got church right here and the big, awesome fireworks that were right, down, right there down the road from me. So, so one year, as I was the youth pastor out there, I decided to do a fireworks show for my kids, for the, for the youth kids down there. So I went and bought a whole bunch of them and had all kinds of fun stuff. And my grand finale um, was this big box that shot up multiple mortars. And mortars are those big ones that fill up the whole sky. Uh, so they're the really good ones, like the grand finale you see at a real show, and I bought a big box to do that. Um, so, I, you know, as a, as a youth pastor, it was important, like, safety first. You always want to make sure you, you know, all the kids you get, that you send the same number of kids home at the end of the day. That was always important to me. Um, so I was over here lighting the fireworks off, and I had my youth group way over here in the field by themselves over here just so they were out of the way. So I get to my, everything's going good. I'm dripping sweat from lighting all these fireworks off and we finally get to my grand finale and the first couple shoot off and it's amazing and beautiful and then the box tips over on its side. <laughs> Fortunately, the first one goes directly away from me instead of coming towards me, it goes this way. And then like a clock, every time one fires off, it starts going like this, going, going, like, a, going like a clock around. So I'm standing here, keep in mind, my youth group is over this direction and this is slowly creeping over towards where they're at. And it, like in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to dive on this thing and you know, blow myself up to do this. So fortunately, most of my youth group has enough common sense where they take off running. They get out of there. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But the problem was one of my kids in the youth group was in a wheelchair. And in the moment of panic, nobody thought about her. So basically, they're all gone, and she's sitting over here completely by herself as these fireworks are getting closer and closer to her. She was in a situation that she did not want to be in uh, with no obvious way out. She didn't have a way to get out of that situation. And when we're in the middle of the dog days of summer, like we are right now, um, it can feel like that sometimes. It can feel like sometimes that we're stuck with no obvious way out of where we're at. And in case you guys are stressed and she was fine, the fireworks weren't around her, and I still text her at least a couple times a year to remind her about that. We have a good laugh about that. So. But anyways, today I, w- I want to help you get out of that. I want to help you get out of that mindset of feeling like, man, I'm stuck here and I can't get out of this. And I want to encourage you to get back to living the dream. That's the title of my message this morning is living the dream. Um, It's so easy at this point in the year, especially, to just relax, to just kind of take it easy and just kind of take whatever comes along. You know, we're thinking about vacation. We're thinking about fun things with our family. And that's important. We need that. We need to have that time where we recharge our batteries and do that. Um, But it's not a time to back off the reason while we're here. It's not the time to neglect the purpose of our, on our life that God's put on our lives. Uh, we can't afford to put our life in cruise control. We always have to be focused on what God's called us to do, even in these times when we're relaxing and enjoying the season. Uh, that's just a dangerous place to be. And in Proverbs 29, in verse 18, it says if people can't see what God is doing. So when you're stuck in cruise control, it's really hard to see what God's doing. It's, it's easy to lose sight of where you're headed. Am I the only one here who's ever been trying to drive somewhere and your mind's on so much that you realize you drive by your exit without even noticing? Has anyone else ever done that or just me? I also do the other side of it too. Like if I'm used to driving a particular place for work every day, if I'm trying to go somewhere else, I'll still turn in there sometimes because I'm just, it's such a routine. That's what happens when we're stuck in cruise control. If we can't see what God's doing, it says they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. So when we're clear on what God's doing, when we're clear on where he's going, it says we're the most blessed. When we're following God's dream for our lives, and every one of us has a God-given dream that he's given us, it says our lives are filled with purpose and meaning. So with that in mind, let's jump ahead to the New Testament. We're going to jump ahead a little bit here. If you look at the first four books of the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are basically the four different accounts of Jesus' ministry from four different perspectives. And I love that God gave that to us because every one of them has their own slant and their own flair and their own details. And it's really cool to get the kind of the whole picture of what Jesus' ministry was like. And then if you jump one past that, you have the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we have a few different things, but one of the things we get to see is the birth of the church. And the birth of the church happened as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Peter steps up to the plate a man just knocks one out of the park. It's such an amazing sermon he preaches here. And I want to jump in here in Acts 2 and verse 14. But it says, Peter stood up with the 11 apostles. This is right after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth. And he shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. So Peter's, Peter's getting ready to preach here, and he's telling them, he said, hey, you guys are seeing something crazy right now. You guys are seeing something that you've never seen before. This is something brand new that God's doing here. He said, I don't want you to get distracted by what's going on. I want to tell you what's going on here. I want to educate you on what God's trying to do here. He's telling them to wait just a second before they write it off because God's fixing to do something awesome. And, beside, and he says, besides, it's 9 a.m. It's too early to be walking around drunk anyway. So, and some of you guys are thinking, well, there's this one, no, We're not going to talk about that one time, so that's not what this is. So Peter starts to explain what's actually going on here. In verse 16, it says, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says, this is what I will do in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on everybody. So this this is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy that God gave to the prophet Joel. The outpouring of God's spirit like it occurred there is still happening today in us. We still get to experience this every single day if we want it. And God says, this is what I'll do in the last days. He says that there. That means as we get closer to the return of Jesus, we're gonna see this more and more and more. We're gonna see greater manifestations of what we're talking about right here. What's that gonna look like? In verse 17, it says, I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men will see visions And your old men will experience dreams from God. That means we're going to see some things before they happen. That's part of what that is. Um, That means we're going to have godly insight into things that are happening around the world, in our community, um, throughout our country, throughout the world. Um, The Holy Spirit will help us to see things the way that God sees them. That's what part of that is. He wants us to see our families. He wants us to see our jobs, our community, our church, our country, the same way that God sees it. He wants us to see with that lens. Uh, He wants us to see the world around us with the lens of God. Um, I can remember as a kid, did, did any of you guys ever have a kaleidoscope? Do you know what that is? Okay. As a kid, I had a kaleidoscope, and it was this cool cardboard tube thing that you looked through it, and you spun the end on it. It had these really cool colors. So everywhere you looked, if you were looking through the kaleidoscope, it was really awesome looking. It was cool colors and shapes, and it was just something that was really fun to look through there. And with the kaleidoscope, no matter what you were looking at, you know, whether it was something really beautiful or something really ugly, as you look through that, man, it was, it was something beautiful. It was something cool to look at because you were looking at it through that lens of the kaleidoscope. But well, when you're looking at the world through God's viewpoint, through God's lens, it changes how you see things. Uh, things, things are gonna look a lot different than we're currently seeing them. God wants to show us some things going on in the world around us so that we can be proactive in how we, how we address those things. He wants to give the church and us as believers the inside scoop on things that are happening so that we can pray, so that we can move in areas and meet the needs of, of whatever's going on in the world around us. You know, people in the, in the world right now are very confused. It's full of chaos. And, and It almost seems like it's getting worse. It's kind of trending in that direction. But what God does is a remedy to all the confusion and chaos in the world is he shows the church what to do about it. That's part of what he wants to do for us is show us what to do about it. Um, he, sh- he shows us things that are important for our mission, which is to show people the loving father that we have in God and to go make disciples. That's, that's our mission. And he wants to show us things that help us to do that throughout the world, no matter what's going on around us. So who is it that's supposed to do all this? In verse 18, it says, the Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So this isn't just for Pastor Brett. This isn't just for Miss Shirley. It says here, this is something that's available uh, for all of us, every believer. This is something he wants to move through all of us in. God God needs his whole church to have a vision. He needs every one of us to have a vision for our lives and what we're doing. Uh, God needs each one of us to be living the dream that he's placed on the inside of us. He needs all of us to do that, to do our part. Why is that so important? Uh, well, Peter goes on to talk about some signs and wonders and some amazing things that will happen, some miraculous things. And then in verse 21, we see the motivation for all this. In 21, it says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's, that's the reason right there. That's the reason that God, uh, God wants to see people saved. That's God's heart. That's his desire. He wants to see people saved, all of them. And it's going to take all of us fulfilling the dream that God put inside of each one of us to reach the maximum number of people that we can possibly reach. We all, we all have a part to play on this. It's not just on any one of us. This is something we all need to do. Um, and, I, and I want you to live your life in a way that's full of excitement. You know, we all go through times where life just feels like it's a routine and you're just doing the same thing every day. Um, God doesn't want that. He created an exciting life for us. And it's up to us to step into that and live that dream um, that he put on the inside of us. When we start living for that dream, it's going to put passion and life into our walk with God. He wants us to do that. There's some of some of you here, man. Um, you're born again, you're going to heaven, um, but you're so bored with your Christian walk right now. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just, I'm just. I know what it's like. I've, I've been there myself too. Um, you come to church and you, and you know what songs they're getting ready to do. Um, you sit here listening to Pastor Brett, and you're like, man, I know exactly what story he's going to tell here. You know, just you're thinking through that in your head. And you just have this, man, I've been there and done that kind of mentality when you come here. And I'm going to make a pretty bold statement right here. If you're you're not excited about something, if you're not aiming towards something, if you don't have a vision or a dream for something that God wants to use you for, man, you're struggling in your faith right now. That's, That's an area you're struggling in if you don't have that right now. In Hebrews 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that describes what faith is, and faith aims us in the direction of something that we're hoping for. And if we don't have any hope, then we can't have faith because it's all part of their description of what faith is. So life gets exciting when we start putting our faith out there working towards the dream that God's put on the inside of us. That's when life is exciting. That's when it's fulfilling. Um, Naturally speaking, especially in the summer, we tend to pursue things that are fun. And I like pursuing things that are fun. But if you spend all your time pursuing things that you consider fun, those aren't always things that are fulfilling. You know, you can fill your life up with fun things and it's fun in the moment, but then when it's over with, you're like, man, I still feel like something's missing there. It's not fulfilling. But when you're pursuing God's dream, man, that's something that's gonna be fulfilling and it's gonna be fun too as you're pursuing what God has for you. Uh, we need to pr- be pursuing some things with our faith um, that in the natural have zero chance of happening. That's the kind of stuff we need to be going after. In, in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. So all this starts with trusting God, trusting God that he's able to help you accomplish whatever the dream is that's on the inside of you. That's where it starts. And then it goes on to say, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Did y'all read that? Man, I figured y'all would be excited about that. Let me read that again. It says, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Think about your greatest request, your most unbelievable dreams, so that thing you can't even imagine happening. He wants to do more than that and exceed your wildest imagination. I have a big imagination. And it says here that God wants to exceed my wildest imag- imagination. It says he will outdo them all. That means like meeting it and going way beyond what you could imagine. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So we have a God that wants to do that for us. We have a God who loves us enough and wants to see us be such a world changer that he wants to do this through this. He's a God who's so big and so full of love that he just wants to show off to us and show us what a great loving father he is. He wants to do that through us. And then it says here that he fills us with his miraculous power to help us actually go out there and live the dream. That's part of what he wants to do for us. So, so some, of us, some of us probably need to repent to God about some things where we decided he's not big enough to do it. You know, if there's things where you felt like God spoke to you, then it hasn't happened. You're just like, well, I, that's not going to happen now. And don't shortchange God like that. Say, God, forgive me for that. I'm open to whatever you want to do. We need to open ourselves up that way. Uh, when it comes to God, just learn to say never, just learn to never say never. You know, take that out of your vocabulary. Wherever that, that part of your brain is that says this could never happen, just go and delete that part out of there. Get that out of your vocabulary because, man, God can do some big things that are beyond what you can imagine. That's what we just read right there. So this morning, I want to I stretch your faith. I want to I get you some dreams, some big dreams. Are, are you ready to dream some big dreams? Is that something you guys... Are, okay, I was just making sure I was talking to the right people here. So, so now that I've hopefully established how important it is to have a dream um, that you're pursuing, I want to talk about five different people that are probably in this church, that are probably online right now. And these, types of, these five types of people are represented everywhere that we go. Of the five types... Only one type is the type we want to be. And these are people who are in different places as far as their dreams are concerned. So we're going to identify where we're at right now. Uh, the first type of person, and this is, some, this is in your notes there, is somebody with no dream. So this is the first kind of person we're going to come across. If you have no dream, um, you're basically in survival mode right now. You're just, trying to, basically you're just trying to get by. You're in that place where you're getting the bills paid. Um, you're hoping your kids behave and if that's, if that's what you've done, you feel like you've accomplished something. Like, that's where you're at. Um, that's, just, that's just the truth. Um, you're not even dreaming about the, man, the what-ifs. You're just kind of taking what's happening. You're kind of surviving day to day. That's where you're at right now. Uh, for some of you, it's gotten to the point where it's critical, though, because, man, you're depressed. You're depressed about where you're at, and you feel like life is just stuck on repeat every day. That's not God's heart. That's not God's desire for you. But it feels that way, and it feels like there's nothing you're really aiming for. You're just trying to get through it right now. Um, even in your walk with God, you know, there's that, that fire that used to be there's not there right now. There's no stirring on the inside of you. And maybe you're thinking right now, man, that sure sounds like me. What do, what do I do? I don't want to leave here like that. I got good news for you. In uh, Jeremiah 33, in verse 3, God, this is God talking to us here. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So as a loving father, God's just saying, hey, when you're feeling like that, when you feel like you don't have a vision, when you don't have a dream, just call out to me. He said, there's big things I wanna show you. If you'll just call out with me and have this conversation with me. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to connect with him. And when you do, it says here, he'll show you things that you don't don't currently know. He'll show you things about your worth. He'll show you things about your family. He'll show you things about the world around you that you don't know right now, that you've lost sight of. He wants to show you those things. Um, God wants to give you a picture of how it could be. He wants to give you a picture of how he desires it to be, how he desires your life to be. You know, some of us, all of our prayer time is spent trying to get God to come down into our situation. Amen. he's a loving God and he's a merciful God and he'll do that. But what God really wants our prayer time to be is an opportunity for us, for him to pull us up into his reality, to see things his way. That's what he wants our prayer time to be is is a whole different perspective where we're seeing things around us that we're praying about the same way that he sees them. In Ephesians 2 and verse 6, it says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So he, he raised us. It said he's raised us. We are seated. We're united with Jesus. Those are all past tense, meaning they've already happened. That means that's, that's our position right now as a believer is seated with Jesus. So it's time for us to start viewing life from the perspective of somebody who's seated in heavenly places. That's God's desire. He wants us to see the world that way. Uh, prayer is not about us informing God about our reality. Prayer is an opportunity for us to see the world from, from God's reality. It's not us telling God, hey, God, this is what's going on. And man, he's, he's, he's a loving father. He wants to hear that stuff too. But it's a, it's a next level of prayer when we're praying, all right, God, show me how you see this. Show me what you're wanting to do here. Show me what I can do to carry out your will in this situation. That's a, that's a whole nother level of prayer right there. So just get in there and, and talk with God. And let him show you some things because, man, he wants to do that. Uh, We can't forget that we we have a speaking God, too. We have to remember that. In John 10, it's Jesus talking here in verse 27. He says, my own sheep will hear my voice. I know each one, and they will follow me. So basically what what Jesus is saying there is that when we follow God, he speaks to us in such a way that we can hear what he's telling us. We need to know that we have a speaking God. So I encourage you just to have times every single day where you allow God to speak to you and lift you up, and encourage you. And as you do that, that'll pull you out of that place of having no dream, as God starts to build a dream on the inside of you, because that's part of what he'll talk to you about. So, so we have people with no dreams. That's our first group. The second kind of person that we have is somebody with the wrong dream. That's the second group we don't want to be in. So you have a dream. It's just the wrong dream. It's not your God-given dream. And it may not be a bad dream. It's just not your God-given dream. For example, it's good to have a dream to make good money. It's good to have a dream to want to be successful and take care of your family. It's good to have that a dream, as a dream. But when you have a calling, you have something, that to, something to live for that goes beyond just that. That shouldn't be the, the, the stop of it. There should be more to it than just that. Um, when you found something that, to live for, even work feels a lot less like work. In, a, in Matthew 6, verse 33, let me show you what I'm talking about. It says, so above all, constantly seek God's kingdom." and his righteousness, then all these important things will be given to you abundantly. So one of the ways that we can determine if a dream is a God dream is asking the question, does this dream advance the kingdom of God in some way? Does does this dream help promote the kingdom of God? The right dream, a God dream, will always have an element to it that's about showing his love and his goodness to the world around you. That'll always be part of it. And what's cool is that even when we're pursuing that kind of dream, the provision we need to accomplish it is given to us in abundance. That's what that scripture just said there in Matthew 6:33. As we're pursuing the dream that, that God has on the inside of us, man, he's gonna abundantly supply all the other stuff that we need. That takes, that takes the stress off of us. We don't have to stress about how am I gonna do this, how am I gonna do that? I'm just gonna pursue the dream that God's given me and he's gonna give me the need that I need to accomplish that thing. So all we have to do is pr- pursue our God-given dream that, that, that helps promote the kingdom of God and he'll open up the v- provision that we need to do it. God's just a good God, he does that for us. That's so much easier than trying to accomplish dreams our own way. That's so much easier than trying to do it on our own. Let's just do it God's way. Life gets better when we do it that way. So we have people with um, no dreams. We have people with wrong dreams. The third type of person that we have is a person with a dying dream. So you have a dream, and it may even be a God dream, um, but it's just barely flickering right now. You know, it, it's on its way out. You you you've been you've burned with something in the past before. You know that God spoke to you, uh, but that fire has been on the way out. That fire has been burning out, and it probably died out because it didn't happen when you thought it should happen. That's what happens to a lot of people. You believe for God for something. You hear from God about it. You hear a promise from God and it doesn't happen on the timeline you were expecting, and you just start to kind of let that dream go, like, well, maybe I didn't hear God after all. Well, that's, that's, that's who we're talking about right now. You may even feel like, well, man, I, I don't think God's even paying attention to me anymore. Like, you know, here he is, he made these awesome promises, and nothing's happened, so God must not even be noticing who I am anymore. That's, that's how we start to feel. And I think, if, I think if we're being honest, at some point, most of us have probably experienced this in our lives you know this is if you 're here right now don 't be embarrassed don 't be ashamed we 've probably all been there at some point even even in ministry, um, we can work so hard at times that we lose sight of why we 're working you know it can be it can get easy to get sucked into that trap we 're just so busy constantly that we lose sight of the motivation of, of what we 're actually doing here and every remi- and, and the, the 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 trap in that is when we 're we have this dream from God, and it's not happening when we think it should happen. The trap is that we start to try to figure out how to do it our own way. A lot of times we say, well, what can I do to make this happen? And we see that illustrated in the story of Abraham. And I know most of us know the, know, most of us know the story of Abraham, uh, but Abraham and his wife were unable to have children for many, many years. They tried for years, and it never happened. And yet they had this promise from God. You know, God literally called Abraham a father of many nations. You know, it's got to be really hard to constantly hear people calling you a father of many nations when you don't have any kids. You know, it's hard to make that connection in your brain, I I, I imagine. And God even told him in Genesis 15, he was talking with Abraham at one point, and he said, look up at the stars. And he said, as many stars are in the sky right now, that's how many ancestors you're going to have. And I don't know if you guys have ever been somewhere where there wasn't light pollution, where it was just dark and then stars out there, but man, you couldn't count them all. There's so many. It's 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 beautiful and amazing to look up and see that. And Abraham looked and saw all those stars up there and said, okay, God, you're saying these are how many ancestors I'll have. And yeah, I don't have any kids right now. And so this went on. God made this promise to Abraham when he was roughly 75 years old. And for 11 years, there was still nothing. 11 years, he had no kids. So Abraham gets the idea. Well, I'm guessing God probably needs some help here because I haven't had a kid yet. Um, So he actually sleeps with his wife's servant and has a kid, Ishmael, through that relationship right there. That's basically, he decided, I'm gonna to try to do this thing my own way. And so by him doing this thing his own way, it created conflict both in his family and that's still being felt years, years, years down the road. It's still being felt right now in the Middle East, that same conflict that resulted from Abraham trying to do things his own way. So then even after Ishmael was born, it's another, to make get my numbers right. It was another 14 years or so before, God, before Abraham actually has his son Isaac, before he has his God-promised son Isaac. So basically, it was literally something like 25 years from the moment that God made him that promise to the moment that Isaac came along. And we can see where Abraham messed up and fell into that temptation of trying to do things his way. And it's the same way for us too. If, we, if our, timing, our timing isn't always God's timing, we need to recognize that God has a timing to things. And if it's not matching up with our timing, Don't try to do it your own way, just trust God. Just say, God, I'm gonna trust you. This is how we're gonna do it. I believe I've heard from you. And if you've said it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, I don't care how long it takes. Don't lose faith, don't lose sight of that. Um, It's gonna be way better for you and everybody else involved if you'll wait on God's timing and not try to do it your own way because we saw what happened with Abraham. It messed him up and messed his family up. So we have people with no dreams. We have people with wrong dreams. Uh, We have people with dying dreams. The fourth thing that we have is people with an unclear dream. So it may, be a, it may be a good dream, it may even be a God dream, um, but it's not specific enough. You haven't, got, you haven't spent time with God and got the specifics on how to do it. Um, I think about, if you've ever seen movies where they have like the cliche beauty pageants, and I think about, you know, what they, when they ask the contestants, you know, what's something, what's something you would wish for? And they say something like, well, I wish for world peace, or I wish for the end of world hunger. You know, those are both great things, those are worthy causes to, to find a cure for, but if all you're saying is, I just want to end hunger throughout the world, and that's as far as you go, you're never going to accomplish anything. You have to have a specific goal that addresses, okay, what can I do to actually impact? What group of people can I feed? What group of people can I fundraise for? You know, you have to have a specific plan about how to do what it is. Otherwise, you'll just walk around with this dream of ending world hunger that will never actually happen. We have to have a specific plan that God's called us to do. Uh, One of the best things you can ever do to help you work towards a specific dream like that is to take time to write it down. That's one of the best things you can ever do. In Habakkuk 2 and verse 2, it says, and then God answered. He said, write this, write that you can see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. And I think God included that for people like me, um, because if I'm writing for someone else, I can write in a way that's intelligible where you can actually read it. But if I'm writing for me, I can't decipher my own writing a lot of times. Like, I, I'm, I'm in my classes that I'm taking, I'll take notes sometimes, and I'll sit there and stare at the notes and, like, what in the world did I write there? What in the world, you know? I, I, sometimes I can't figure it out because that's how bad my writing is when I'm writing for me. So I think God's, God's saying, as, you know, when you write this out, write it in a way that you can actually read it, write it in a way that you can actually know what's going on here, and it'll help you out if you'll do that. So then it goes on to say, and I love how the message says this it says this vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. So it's pointing to that dream, it's pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming, it can hardly wait and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait, it's on its way, it will come right on time. I like that, it's gonna come right on time. So that, that, that applies to those dying dreams as well. Even if the dream hasn't happened, when we think it should happen, it's on the way and it'll come right on time. That's what it says there, you can put your faith in that. Um, Jordan spoke about this some on Wednesday night, actually, and I encourage you to go watch that service if you can. Um, It'll it'll encourage you if you'll do that. But if you'll write down the specific dream that God gives you, it'll motivate you to run in that direction. Like, this is my dream. I'm going to run in that direction because that's where I'm headed. That's where God has me headed. So I just want to encourage you to start dreaming some big dreams. Uh, Write them down and just watch God do some big things because that's what he wants to do in your life and through you too. So we have people with no dreams, we have people with wrong dreams, people with dying dreams, and then people with unclear dreams. Uh, The kind of dream that we wanna have is, this is number five, is a God dream. You probably figured that out already, but that's what we wanna have in our lives. A God dream is the kind of dream that brings honor to God. It's the kind of dream that as we're living it out and walking it out, that we're hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's one of those kind of dreams like that. Um, A God dream defines a culture. And that's part of what a God dream does. And, you know, today's Independence Day. And part of what we're, what we're celebrating is the decisions made by people hundreds of years ago to basically declare independence for the purpose of being able to worship freely in, in, in this country. You know, we're celebrating these people who had this God-given dream of a place where they could worship God freely. And that's why we shoot off fireworks and cook out and have fun and celebrate. Um, thank, we thank God for people like that. We thank God for people like Martin Luther King Jr. even, people who had this dream and they weren't satisfied with the world and how it was and they had this God-given dream and they pursued change. They pursued, um, lived their life trying to pursue that change. I, I believe that God will place dreams on the inside of people in this room and online that will define culture in the same way if we'll just be open to what God wants to do because he wants to do those things through us. Um, a God dream leads people to Jesus. You know, our, our lives should show up in heaven, and not just when we're here on the earth like we are right. Not not just not just when our time here on the earth is over with. Not just when we go to heaven ourselves, but our lives should be showing up in heaven on a daily basis through the people that we impact as we're living our lives. Uh, Matthew six nineteen says, "Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value." But then verse twenty says, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. So we're supposed to store up treasure somewhere else. In the Passion Translation, there's actually a little note by Heavenly Treasures um, that says, heavenly treasures are eternal realities, such as loving others and doing good, revealing truth, and bringing Christ's light to the lost. None of these treasures can be stolen or ever lose their value. So those are the kind of things we need to be investing our lives in. And when we do, man, those are things that'll live on forever. So a God dream is also something that is completely impossible without God. So if you can, do your, if you can accomplish your dream totally without God in the picture, your dream's not big enough. You need to start dreaming bigger, get bigger on that. Um, a God dream is something that feels daring. It's something that feels like, man, I'm about to jump out of this airplane with no parachute on. You know, it's something that gets that adrenaline going when you think about what God wants to do through do you there. Something where God has to show up for it to be successful. That's the kind of dream that God wants you to have. Uh, something that when you tell your family and your friends about it, their response is, "You're going to do what?" You know, it's, it's a trigger reaction. <laughs> you know, it, it could be you've, you've been praying about what you actually believe God could do that. You know, you want those kind of reactions when you're pursuing your God dream. That's the kind of dream that's exciting to live for when it's something you realize that you can't do on your own. Um, I just want to encourage you uh, to spend enough time with God so that He can reveal these dreams to you. And I promise you, if you'll do that, I mean, he's going to show you some things that will get you just excited about life. So I'm going to start pulling this together here. I want to wrap up um, by looking at an interaction that Jesus has with a blind man. And we're going to kind of wrap up this thing about dreams and visions. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So this, this is a literal blind man we're talking about here. Like he can't see out of his eyes. And you may, you may not be physically blind, um, but there are some of you here today to where you can see with your eyes, but you, you can't see down here. You can't see clearly like you used to. You can, you're not hearing God's voice. You're not seeing that vision as clearly as you used to. And that's something God wants you to have. He wants you to see even more clearly here than you can up here. So this, this applies to us too. You have no passion, you have no energy. It's just not there, but we're gonna get that back today. So in verse 23, it says, so Jesus led him as a sighted guide outside the village. So he takes the blind man and he leads him outside the village. Uh, sometimes when you want to hear what God has to say, you have to get away from some people. And that's exactly what Jesus did here. This guy was in his comfort zone with his familiar people around him. And he says, all right, come with me. We're going to step outside the village for a bit. So he leads him out there because Jesus didn't want people counteracting what he was getting ready to do. Jesus saying, hey, there's something I need you to hear, something I need to do for you. And he says, you're gonna have a hard time experiencing that with these people, so let me get you out here for just a few minutes here. So sometimes sometimes we need to do that too. If there's someone who's speaking doubt and unbelief in our lives, sometimes it's healthy to take a step away from that so that we can hear God more clearly and what he wants to do. So it goes on to say, it says, Jesus placed his saliva on the man's eyes and covered them with his hands. And then he asked him, now do you see anything? You know, I've thought about this scripture many times through the years, and I like to imagine myself being here watching this and just imagine seeing Jesus. Here's Jesus. we got this blind man here, and then we see Jesus spit in the mud. We see Jesus spit. you are like, Jesus, what are you doing here? You know, Here we are. We're, we're trying to do ministry here, and here you are spitting in front of everybody. You know, I try to imagine where my mind would be, and then, then you see Jesus start to t- put the spit in his hands and start to go, go towards the guy's face. You're like, Jesus, what are you doing here? that's pretty gross. I don't want you to, you know, if he could see that coming, he'd be flinching right now, but he can't see it coming. So so, sometimes, sometimes God wants to do some things in a way that are different than how we expect them to be done. And in fact, that most of the time he wants to do things in a way that's different. So even when something shocking like this happens, this was God's will to do it this way. So verse 24, the man, so Jesus, you know, spit, put it in his eyes and it says, uh, he said, okay, how are you doing? And the man says, yes, he said, my sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. So if this, if this man had always been blind, how would he know what trees look like? And I think the most obvious answer is at some point he could probably see. At some point he could probably see and lost his eyesight. And you might be here today and you might be someone who at one point you were on fire for God. At one point you could see God's dream and God's vision clearly. Um, you used to have these God dreams, but you lost your sight. It started to fade away. You're not seeing it as clearly as you used to. It's not totally gone. You just have tree sight right now. You can kind of see glimpses of what it used to be. And Tree sight's better than being blind, um, but it's not as good as it could be. It's not God's perfect will for you. Um, There's more than where you're at right now. God has more for you than where you're at right now. He wants to show you more. In verse 25, it says, Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time and made him look up. The man opened his eyes wide, and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. So after laying hands on him a second time, his eyesight was completely restored. He could see perfectly, 20-20 or whatever perfect vision is. God, God is the God of giving you a fresh touch when you need it, just like he did with this guy right here. Some of you experience God's presence and God's vision. But you need that again, man. He wants to give it to you. Um, God gave it bef- gave it to you before, and He'll give it to you again. That's part of who He is. He spoke to you before. He wants to speak to you again. He wants to speak to you constantly. Uh, God wants you to see yourself. He wants you to see your family. He wants you to see our our church and our community around us. He wants you to see it clearly, just like He sees it. That's His desire. He wants that. In fact, let me let me pray for you guys before we move on right here. So let me pray for you guys. So Father, I just ask you to help us to see clearly this morning. Every, everybody in this building, everybody online. Uh, help us to see clearly. I, I just ask you to restore your prophecy, result, restore your vision, uh, restore your dreams to those who have lost sight, Father. Help us to see those things clearly again. Uh, God, I just ask you to move and stir in every single person in here. Create a, a, Bring life and passion uh, back into our relationship with you, Father. We just ask you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So God has an awesome dream for you. So the first step, the first step towards living the dream That God has for your life is accepting the incredible sacrifice that God's made for you. That's the first step in living this life that we're talking about. You know, if you don't know it or you've you've forgotten about it, Jesus um, died a horrible death on a cross and rose again on the third day to pay the price for all our sin. He sacrificed himself to pay the price for our sin, all so that we can have a relationship with the God who loves us so much to give us these amazing dreams, and also that we can know that our destiny is in heaven one day if you've never accepted that awesome sacrifice that Jesus made for you, if you've never entered into a close and personal relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to do that, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment because I want you to look at your heart. But if you've never made that decision to give your life to Jesus, but you'd like to do that this morning, if you'd raise your hand, um, I'd like to pray with you and you can leave here knowing that you have this life with God. And I, I see that hand, is there anybody else? God gets excited when you make this decision looking around the room. I don't want to miss anybody. Awesome. So maybe maybe you've, maybe you've already done that at some point in your life. Maybe you've done that, but you recognize that you haven't been living for God the way that you should. Uh, maybe you've recognized that you had this dream that God gave you and you've walked away from it. And you've been doing some things, that you, you've been pursuing some things um, that you know are not what God wants for you. Well, God loves us so much. Like I said, he's a loving father. He loves us so much. And then in 1 John 1, 9, it says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So when we repent, when we confess to God, hey, I messed up, I got off track here, and we come back to him, the result is that he forgives us and he cleanses us. He restores us. He gets us right back on track again. So if you can say while we're heads bowed and eyes are closed, if you can say that's me, I am a believer, but I've walked away from God and I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to get things back on track again. If you'd raise your hand for that, I'd like to pray with you on that too. And I see lots of hands popping up on that. And God gets excited about that. He's ready to do some big things in and through us. So he is so excited to see these hands coming up. All right, y'all can boom put your hands down. What I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna lead you guys in a prayer. Um, out of respect to those praying, I'm gonna ask that we all pray this together. And as we pray this, we're just gonna make a commitment to God that we're gonna pursue the life and the dreams that he has for us. And as we do that, I just encourage you to start expecting God to unlock some amazing things in your life. So let's, let's pray this together right now. say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I receive that forgiveness and that restoration. Jesus, right now, I commit to live my life for you and to pursue the dreams that you give me. In Jesus' name, amen.